0: Good morning. This morning, I want to share with you about my time working with the children and youth on Sunday evenings. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kathleen Carswell. Some of you may better know me as Fred's daughter. I attended Yates right after college for a short time period and have now been back for four years ago next month. I'm an active member of the Journey Group under Lynn's leadership. By day, I'm an assistant principal at a local elementary school. And by night, well, I'm still an elementary assistant principal. (laughs) Before I jump in and share with you about my time spent with the youth on Sunday evenings, I want to share with you a little bit about who I am because it is often who we are that calls us to our passions and missions in life. In my graduate program for school administration, I was afforded the great opportunity during my first summer to dive deep into my why my vision statement for my daily life, which eventually led to my vision statement for school leadership. After a few weeks of guiding questions, inward reflection, multiple personality tests, and discussions, I had finally developed my shortened why for my daily life. Here it is. To love and serve others so that we may become better versions of ourselves. It sounds so simple, right? But we all know that some of the simplest quotes in life are easier said than done. To love and serve others so that we may become better versions of ourselves. I carefully and intentionally selected the word we for a reason in this vision. When we love and serve others, it is not just those around us that benefit. When we have genuine conversations with others, listen to other stories and experiences, and open our hearts for possible transformation, we too have the opportunity to grow and become better versions of ourselves. This is possibly one of my greatest fulfillments. Being in relationship with others, especially those who may be different from us in some way, can be truly transformational. I share my personal reflection, introspection, and visioning work with you, because I feel it's important for us to identify our God-given talents and utilize those in the ministries in which we serve. When our values and talents align with the ways we serve, we are actively participating in the Great Commission, helping expand God's kingdom and investing in the future. When Danny came to me and Zach to share about the number of youth attending on Sunday nights and the need for more volunteers, we were excited to jump in. Given I'd only been back to Yates for less than a year prior to the pandemic, I had not had the opportunity to get to know the youth within our church and now I also had the opportunity and privilege of getting to know additional youth who are attending from nearby neighborhoods. I have now been supporting Danny with the kids and youth on Sunday evenings for about a year. It has been a wonderful experience getting to know several of the youth, hearing their stories and seeing their personalities really come out in the activities they choose to participate in. There's one youth in particular that I got to know rather quickly last summer. He is in middle school, he enjoys socializing, meeting new people, making slime, learning new things, and he is really thoughtful. Several of our youth attended a Durham Bulls game last summer and it was his first time going to a Durham Bulls baseball game. He had so many great questions about the game of baseball and was on cloud nine all night long between the food, learning a new sport, a special behind the scenes tour of all the electronic equipment used to broadcast the game and receiving a free baseball at the close of the game. What a joy to share in this experience. It is through my relationship with this youth that I've learned about the hardships his family faces, increased rent and difficulty obtaining a loan to purchase a house, especially in a single parent household, while housing prices also continue to rise. Each of our youth has a story just as each of us has a, st- has a story. A story that is unique, intimate, and made by God. It is a privilege to get to know these stories over time and serve alongside Danny. WMU equips all believers to live their lives in unshakable pursuit, to know God more, to show his love unconditionally, and to make disciples who make disciples. It is my hope that by building relationships with the youth, listening, loving, and encouraging them through challenges that they will see Christ's love. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Lent is a time of repentance and listening for God's leading. I encourage you to do your own visioning work during this time of Lent. What are some of the gifts and talents God has given you? How is God nudging you to use these talents more or differently? I pray that through this process, you will know God more, show his love unconditionally, and make disciples who make disciples, just as the WMU seeks to do.
1: We all have a tendency to, to be fixers you know gee if you'll just do this then all of your problems will be solved that's not what we're doing that's not what we're here for
2: as a participant in pivot you're going to be pushed you're going to be motivated you're going to be saturated with love and saturated with positivity because that's what keeps us moving forward
1: when someone is struggling and they have truth spoken into their life and they have a constant encouragement spoken in their life and a point out of who they really are in Jesus, you just see people blossom. I
2: would just encourage any woman that if you're going through anything as far as depression or you feel like you're on the down low or just fall in a hole and can't get out, I would advise you just to join this program is really, has been really helpful to me.
1: With PIVOT, you connect with somebody over a period of time, and you get to really see progress.
2: It's the best program for any woman that's trying to get their life back together, and I'm very thankful that I was able to be a part of this group. I recognize that I had to lean towards other people, my mentors. I had to lean towards them to support me through some really Tucks, patches in my life, and I hope that you know I can be of similar support and that my story is relatable to what some of the women have gone through. And so, hopefully, I can be a spiritual support. Um, I know what it's like to just want somebody praying with you. Hopefully, I can support them in that way. Everyone operates from love, and it's genuine love. You can tell that it's not just a the job, they're actually looking forward to spending time with us just as much as we look forward to spending time with them.
0: To have somebody who believes in you and encourages you and allows you to know that you can be accountable to them, it's an encouraging relationship rather than a negative relationship. That relationship is just so important. People who are in poverty If it's been generational, it's very hard to get out of that unless you have somebody who walks with you through that.
2: At a very young age, God revealed to me that my gift and my passion was to teach. When I started college many, many years ago to pursue a degree in teaching, I had to work two jobs to survive. By the age of 19, I was a college dropout. I was left homeless, pregnant, and hopeless. I met Miss Pat Bird and entered the Royal Northwan Christian Women Job Corps. I was able to go back to school, I was getting clothes to wear back to school, I was getting my items for my son, and most importantly, Christian Women Job Corps has helped me build a strong relationship with God. I began to give my grief, my hurt, my depression, my hopelessness to the Lord. I am now eight days away from reaching my goal and becoming what and who I was destined to be, a teacher. God has used my journey to strengthen my faith. Because of this organization and the wonderful Christian people who has helped me and encouraged me, my son Mark Jeremiah will have a better life. He will not have to worry about where his next meal will come from or if the light bill was paid on time. Generational poverty ended with me because of you.
1: me now for our scripture reading the word of the lord from isaiah forty one through 5 and 27 through 31 comfort comfort my people says your god speak tenderly to jerusalem and to proclaim her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for that she has received from the lord's hand double for all her sins a voice calling in the wilderness prepare the way of, for the lord Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 27. What do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power to the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like eagle, they will soar like on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The word of of God for us, the people of God. Now please join me in welcoming Carolyn Vogel as she comes to bring her message.
3: (laughs) Y'all were supposed to clap a little bit longer, so it wasn't going to be so obvious if I tripped over the stairs going up. But... I appreciate the thought. Thank you very much. It is good to be welcomed into a place of such welcome. Um, I have been greeted by folks that I didn't know, but they've made me feel like family already here. So thank you so much for that today. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with you. As Marty read our scripture, she ended with the phrase, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now most of the time in our conversations today, when we use the word hope, and I have to admit we use it quite a bit, don't we? We usually are talking about a wish. And the strength of that word is in the individual person's desire. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in God's faithfulness. Wishes are all around us today, aren't they? From those who wish for riches through the lottery, to those who spend hours, days, and even years for something that they believe will complete their life. It's not hard to find people wishing for the good old days. I know you know some of them. Or they're so focused on wishing for the future that they miss the good that is around them right now. I personally don't like the wishing definition of hope. It leaves me with an empty feeling, and I've met lots of other people who seem to spend their days with the emptiness of that kind of hope. That definition of hope can create within us a desire to wish away all the troubles of those we see around us. And in the instantaneous mindset of our world today, we want to find the quick and easy fix to every problem we see. If hope depends on my wishes, it's so much easier to see a problem than it is to see the person who is struggling. So when we see that impoverished woman in the grocery store trying to figure out if she has enough money for the few items that she has on the conveyor belt, we want to buy her food, right? And then we believe that we have solved all the issues of hunger and poverty. When we see the cardboard holding sign guy on the corner, we might shove a few dollars out the barely opened window and then we hope that we will sleep well that night believing that we have alleviated homelessness in our world. At the beginning of the school year, we often buy a few pencils and a couple of notebooks and believe that we've solved all the issues of education and poverty. And sometimes, even in the helping professions, it can sometimes become a desire just to get to quitting time, rather than seeing the person in front of us. But most of us know that wiggling our nose or waving a magic wand doesn't solve the problems. Sometimes it's a temptation, though, isn't it? It would be so much easier if we could. But these wishes are kind of like the microwave that sits on your counter at home. Now, I do have an aunt who didn't have a microwave when my sister-in-law moved in to stay with her for a a couple of weeks. They now have a microwave. Anyway, um, when we use a microwave, we've cut some time out of our busy work schedule, haven't we? But have you noticed how quickly that dish cools when we put put it on the counter after being coming out of the microwave? The effect doesn't last. Our instantaneous responses are that way as well. When we try to solve the issues of poverty in our world, they very rarely last long enough to provide any type of change. Christian Women's and Men's Job Corps was designed to address the issues of poverty in a manner that is long-lasting for the long haul, rather than a quick fix. In the late 1990s, A group of WMU leaders visited rural sites along the Mississippi River. I understand that quite a few of them had some need for Dramamine as they went through some of those mountain areas. And then they visited the urban areas of Chicago and Baltimore. They noticed that while on the surface the poverty in these two places looked different, the underlying issues were the same. So with more visits and subsequent pilot sites across the country, Christian Women's Job Corps was created. After a few years, the men in the lives of those women that we were serving in Christian Women's Job Corps began clamoring for something like that for themselves. They wanted that kind of change as well, and so Christian Men's Job Corps was developed. At that time, and even today, there are lots of ways to respond to poverty that are easy, but they don't break the cycle of poverty that abounds in our country and around the world. Christian Women's Job Corps chooses to address the cycle. Our attention focuses on repairing the broken relationships of poverty. We can go back to the very earliest scriptures in Genesis 2 and 3 to see what these broken relationships are. The first area of brokenness and it's one that we can see pretty easily is a broken relationship with our resources. Lack of money, a job, car, health care are easy broken relationships for us to visit and see but the other areas are not quite so obvious if we're just looking at the surface. These are usually more difficult to address as well. They are broken relationships with others, divided homes, strange relationships within family, the inability to keep a job due to attitude or behavior or a difficulty in dealing with anger. Broken relationships with self, low self-esteem, shame, abuse, and the effects of trauma are often parts of that broken relationship. And then most importantly, the broken relationship with God for many of our participants. Now these relationships are interrelated. Persons with poor relationships with God will often have poor self-esteem because they can't see a God that would care for them. They certainly can't see a God that would care for others. And similarly, a person with poor self, a poor relationship to self will likely struggle to believe that God has any place in their life. The person who doesn't relate well to others has a difficult time keeping a job, which could provide the food, clothing, and other resources that they need in their life. So through life skills classes, participants gain or regain the resources needed to build relationships with others, their children, their spouse or significant other, their co-workers and supervisors, and even their family of origin. Through job skills classes, participants begin or continue connecting to the resources that are available to them through fulfilling work. They build healthier relationships with the resources by determining the differences between want and need and how to address both of them. Addressing these relationships comes in multiple and varied means. It moves from computer classes to parenting classes, from bricklaying to anger management. Sometimes you lay bricks to deal with your anger. Um, From healthcare training to personal finances. Sites in eight locations across our state and in Southern Africa address relationships in this way. Many other organizations addressing poverty offer these types of classes and in many cases our sites partner with those organizations so that we're not duplicating the work. I can see it on your faces already you're beginning to think so what's different about this? from all the other groups out there that are addressing poverty. We believe there are two primary ways that we're different. Mentoring and Bible study. Through Bible study and working with a mentor, participants learn or are reminded that they are worthy of so many of the gifts of life that they've lost or never had. They are worthy of love, they are worthy of respect, and they are worthy of second chances. Every participant is assigned a Christian mentor to walk alongside her on the journey. Now, mentors do not have to have all the answers, but they are there as a partner along the way, someone else who has chosen to make the journey with this participant in partnership, in relationship. The mentor is the tangible real life example to the participant of healthy relationships with resources, self, others and God woven in and throughout this whole process is an opportunity to strengthen their relationship to God when we understand that God created each of us uniquely and with great love the relationship with self and others are strengthened when we realize that God created the world with great care our relationship with resources is put into a better perspective And through all of this, our relationship with God is strengthened. Now the Bible study is also a vital part of this ministry. This is Bible study that relates to the everyday experience of our participants. For example, a site working in the inner city community that is dealing with drug abuse might choose to address loving your neighbor differently than your Sunday school class would have done about an hour ago. Would your class need to address why or how you should love your neighbor if he's the neighborhood's opioid supplier? Probably not. But we also address what does that love look like? Love comes in many different ways. While there are key elements that each site must possess to be a certified site, these sites implement the elements in ways that are unique to their community and to its needs and resources. In North Carolina we have a site that works almost exclusively with women who have completed drug recovery programs but need to find ways to change their lives so they don't return to that destructive pattern. Another site works with women who are either facing incarceration or are entering the parole process after serving time. We have a judge in that community that likes us and so he offers us to people that he believes will make a change in their life. Now knowing that this ministry works is important but it's not just about how many of the participants have jobs or even how many graduate from the program. It's about the lives that are changed. A portion of the video that you saw earlier included a young woman named Akevia and her story is of a life that's been changed. Akevia, um, prior to arriving at our Christian Women's Job Corps site, um, had been living in the Greenville area. Her boyfriend, was shot in a drive-by shooting and the trauma of that brought up all of her previous life trauma. You see, Akivia had been raised by her grandmother and she had said from an early age she would never be a parent because she didn't know what a mother looked like. And so, Akevia was admitted for inpatient treatment for that trauma. In the intake process, they discovered that she was pregnant, and she had a huge choice to make at that point. In processing her trauma, she chose to keep her child, her little boy. And so, after dismissal from the inpatient treatment, she arrived at the family care unit of the Baptist Children's Homes of North Carolina, outside of Ahosky. She arrived there, seven months pregnant, no place to live, and no one that she could feel like she could rely on. The house mother there, well, she was in the delivery room with Akevia, and she considers herself a grandma to Akivia's little boy. After her son was born, Akevia decided that she did want to go back to school. You heard that in her story. And so she started back at the local community college to finish up the work that she had towards her associate degree. As she was working on that, the counselors there and all those around her saw something of life and vitality in Akevia and her ability to ful- fulfill her goal. And so they encouraged her to go on to school. Now I'm not going to get in an argument about which color blue you wear, because this is not a story about the blues. But when she finished at the community college, she wanted to go on and finish and get her bachelor's degree. So her mentor, Ms. Pat, took her to Elizabeth City State. And after she walked around and visited Elizabeth City State, Pat said that Akiva got back in the car and she was talking 90 miles an hour about what she could do if she went to school there. And Pat said, okay, well, we've got a few more places to visit. So the next Saturday, they went to ECU. And she walked around and toured ECU and she got back in the car and she was talking 180 miles an hour about what she could do if she went there. And Pat said, I'm so happy that you like this, but let's make sure we investigate all of your options. I've got one more place I want you to visit. It's not as big or as flashy as either of these two, but maybe it's one that will fit for you. And so they went and visited Chowan University. Now, if you're not familiar with Chowan, it is a small, historically Baptist, I see a hand waving back there, a small, historically Baptist um, university now in northeastern North Carolina. Akiva got out of the car, walked around, toured the campus, and she got back in Pat's car, and she didn't say a word. Pat put the car in reverse, they backed out, they drove down past Squirrel Park at Chowan, and as they were going out, Akevia still hadn't said anything. And Pat said, Akevia, if Chowan's not the right place for you, it's okay. I understand. I just wanted you to have your options. And Akevia said, no, Miss Pat, you don't understand. I don't dare hope I could go to a place like this. And Pat's response to Akevia was, well, I thought you'd figured it out by now, but we're kind of in the hope business around here. What Akivia didn't know was that the pastor at First Baptist in the who is who the sponsoring church for that Roanoke-Chowan Christian Women's Job Corps site, is an associate professor at Chowan. His wife is the church and community ministries director at Chowan. And most of the congregation there either has a child or a grandchild who's gone there, graduated from there themselves, or has served on the board. So when Akivia applied to and received confirmation of her admission to Cho1, she had a cadre of folks to support her based upon needs she had enough funds to pay for her tuition and people in the congregation helped with books and with other um, financial needs that she had the other ladies at the family care unit provided child care so that Akevia could finish her college degree a year into college excuse me a professor there who has endowed a scholarship that does not require application because the professor chooses who she wants to give it to awarded that scholarship to Akevia. Now, the video said she graduated with all A's, she graduated Summa Law, y'all. When she finished her student teaching at a local school in the area, the principal of that school said to her, I can't officially offer you a job until you've graduated. But I promise if you walk in here with a piece of paper, I'm not even going to look to see if it's actually a diploma. I'm going to offer you the job. And so Akevia is now working in her fifth year of teaching third graders in a school system that most people would consider to be a failing school system. And Akevia is there showing them that they don't have to live under a label of at-risk or in poverty or a student in a failing school because she did it herself. She got out, and they can too. And so to see the, the vitality and the love that she has in what she's doing there shows you a changed life from a young woman with a pregnancy that was not planned living in a situation where she had no home to call her own to now being in a home that she is able to provide for her son is a changed life. Families have been reunited through this ministry and relationships have been restored with spouses, with children and with parents. This past summer our site in Haywood County in Waynesville, it's called LifeWorks, held its graduation and I was privileged to be able to attend and be there with them. One of their graduates, we'll just call her Amy, came to the site after her infant son was removed by Child Protective Services. Amy wanted to get him back. And so she was willing to do anything she needed to do to get him back and to be able to provide a good and healthy home life for him. She came to the site and asked if she could do her supervised visits with her son there at the site. Because Amy had had to move out of the county to find a place to stay with a family member. And so she needed an in-county place for Child Protective Services to do their drop-in visits. And the site agreed that she could do that. Interestingly enough, as Child Protective Services was dropping in and checking in on Amy, they were also seeing what else was going on in the site and the changes that were going on in the lives around them. And ended up, they are now suggesting and referring some of their moms to our site there because they see it's working during that graduation Amy thanked the family that had fostered her son that family was there in attendance they were there and had brought her son so that he could see her graduate from the program at the conclusion of the service I made my way over to the foster mom we'll call her Beth and she told me a little bit about her story Beth and her husband had decided shortly after they married that they wanted to foster children. And it seemed like every time they went through the process and filling out all the forms and turning in everything, that a form had changed, a signature had been forgotten, someone had signed the wrong line, a form got lost. Nothing seemed to be working for them. And it took almost four years for them to finally get a confirmation. The confirmation arrived two weeks after they found out they were expecting their first child. And Beth said she and her husband had decided that they would just put off fostering. Now that they had been certified, they would just put it off until it was a more convenient time and until this first child was a little bit older and their family was established. Three days later, they got the call about Amy's son. And Beth said as they heard his story and what was going on in his life that she and her husband looked at each other and said so much for our plans and Amy's son was in their home that night. They fostered him almost two years now and as they shared what was going on I could see the love of Beth towards this little boy, this little boy towards his now two sisters that he has out of this family. And it was a wonderful relationship to watch and to see. Now, Amy was on the verge of getting her son back. She was to the point of being able to have weekend long, unsupervised visits with him. So it was close to the time when that foster relationship was going to change. And so I asked Beth if she and her husband we're planning to foster another child. And she quickly said to me, Oh, no, ma'am. We are their people. We want Amy to know that she can count on us whenever she needs us because we're family. So you see, with Christian Women's Job Corps, family is not only enhanced and strengthened but sometimes it's even expanded. Our participants have stepped into roles that they would never have thought possible. They often speak of how someone, usually their mentor, believing in them helped them believe in themselves. Some of them have even grown to the point when they realize that that mentor believed in God and what God could do in their life. Family members have made decisions to search out Christ because of the differences that they have seen in a participant's life. A recent graduate at our site in Winston-Salem, which is called Pivot, decided to come to classes because she saw the change in her daughter's life when her daughter worked through Pivot. When I was there for their graduation, this lady had children grandchildren and great-grandchildren there to celebrate with her as she completed her work. What an amazing legacy she has created for her family. Lives have been changed because one individual answered the call to be a mentor, a, an instructor, a site coordinator, or a volunteer. Both the lives of the participants and the volunteers are changed in this process. This ministry works. There are times that Christian Women's Job Corps is difficult. Change doesn't come easily, especially if poverty is the only thing that someone has known in their life. While mentors and volunteers work diligently to provide support, eventually the participant must address his or her neighbors and family and most often their own thoughts about themselves. It's hard for the participant and for those seeking to minister. So that's why I continue to rejoice in the resources, the time, the talent, the finances, and the prayer that churches and individuals around this state are bringing to this ministry. You're providing some of those resources in your support of the Heck Jones offering today and in your support that you give to the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of North Carolina. Both WMU and CBF North Carolina support Christian Women's Job Corps in North Carolina. And for that, we're grateful. But to be honest with you, the offering envelope may not be all that you're being called to today. Traditionally, in the Lenten season, Christians choose something to give up as a reminder of Christ's choice to give up so much for us. But I would like to challenge you to listen for Christ calling you to do something new or differently in this Lenten season. Maybe it's to find a new way to offer hope into someone's life. Maybe it's taking the time to be a partner in someone's journey, being that mentor. Maybe it's exploring the ways that you could become involved in Christian Women's Job Corps. Now, there's not a site in Durham or Orange County, but the need is certainly here. The great news is that your fulfillment of God's calling does not rely on your abilities or even your wishful hopes. But instead, it is founded on the biblical definition of hope, the confident expectation of what God has promised to us. As our scripture said earlier, we serve the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who will not grow weary or tired. And God's understanding no one can fathom. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So as Akevia's mentor said, we're in the hope business around here. Won't you join us? Christopher will be here at the front if you'd like support from your minister in your decision today. Thank
2: you.